Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Media Morgue, where movies come to be examined. I am Ethan Cohen, and I'm very proud of my brother today, and I'm joined by uh, my other surgeons of cinema. Um, I am an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. (laughs) And I am uh, the number one fan in the Denzel Washington fan club. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Um, Zach will be joining us for the actual reviews um, he's walking his dog because he's a good person. Yeah. Um, he, he, but, you think uh, you think on the way to walk his dog, Zach is going to be confronted by a trio of witches? He'll yeah. tell him he probably will. A, a rolling and, fog and, then, and the yeah. howling yeah. wind and stuff. It's, I can that imagine. I can, I can picture Zach being like, uh, what? he finds himself in the forest. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> what is this? A foreboding abstraction? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the witches tell him that he's supposed to be the host of the medium org, but he has to mm. kill all of us first. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't yeah. have to kill me. He can have it. Like, he, he, well, he would just have to kill you, Justin. <laughs> yeah, just maybe that's what it is. Kill you and your but my son, would, be the my one son would carry it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm and I am in this situation. I think I am. Uh, what's the one that Corey Hawkins plays? Macduff. Macduff. Who's like yeah. my kids? You killed my kids for what? <laughs> that guy. <laughs> well, if you couldn't tell by all our improv, uh, <laughs> we're talking Macbeth today. Doubly so, actually, because we're discussing the tragedy of Macbeth, directed by Joel Cohen. Uh, starring Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, and then we're going back in time to a Japanese transportation uh, titled Throne of Blood, directed by Akira Kurosawa, our favorite, uh, starring Toshiro Mifune. Is this our first double dip, Justin? Our first double director, a director we've done two times? I think maybe it is. Look at us. Perhaps. Maybe, right? Um, and yeah, you just can't get enough of Kurosawa, man. He's uh, he was a master. What can I say? And, Same. You birthday. know what's depressing, guys, is I think David Gordon Green beat Kurosawa to the punch here on this podcast because Halloween. Very sad because <laughs> oh, he did the double Halloween. <laughs> oh well, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Next time. Kurosawa is rolling in his grave right now. Yeah. He's like, I cannot fucking believe it. <laughs> Kurosawa directing a slasher would have been... I mean, I guess that's kind of what Throne I mean, of Blood I mean, this is a slasher. We'll talk about yeah. it. I, we'll I, talk about I, it. I feel like Onibaba would kind of be that, right? Was, yeah, but you, you watched that's that not recently. Kurosawa. I, that's I know, not I know it's not. I know it's not, but I'm saying it's kind of like the, the in-between. It's a it's proto. Like early slasher. Yeah, it's, a, and yeah, exactly. it's a proto. Yeah, yeah. Feels I kind of Kurosawa. Also, Haosu is an early slasher-esque film. Um... Yeah, okay. we gotta bring that on the show. I fucking love that. We movie. do. House would be house would be fun. Yeah, would be. but um, yes. Yeah, so uh, that's the, we're going to be talking about lots of blood and, and guts and, and Shakespeare and tragedy and misery. But before the reviews, we have the news. So um, it was it's been a kind of a light past few weeks. Um, but I'll I'll give it to you first, Dan, because you had some box office updates. Yeah, I mean, speaking of a light few weeks, uh, I guess. The whole January, like, late December release window is making more sense for studios because they've realized that January and, like, February and stuff, it's kind of a graveyard. So if you release a blockbuster in late December, same with early January, you kind of just have full control of of the box office. Because right now, the the two movies kind of butting heads and, you know, 
tipping each other out of the top spot are uh, Scream and Spider-Man No Way Home. So two franchise installments. Very similar. Very similar to each other, too, in terms of bringing old characters back around. Yeah. Fan service, you know, mm-hmm. dead teenagers. Legacy sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. There's not there's not, not much else. Did you say similar. dead teenagers? <laughs> yeah. I mean, are there dead uh, teenagers in Spider-Man? I don't know. <laughs> Theaters have belonged to franchises commercially for a long time. Well, you know, yeah, I was actually talking to Wes about this um, when Spider-Man came out, just saying that, like, Marvel seems to have really affected the concept of blockbuster mm-hmm. season because they can put out a movie whenever they want mm-hmm. and, and right. you're going to go see it. And, and other and studios have to literally push their, their, their releases out of the way. Like, I think there's been yeah. some talk about Black Panther and the Flash uh, facing off and if black panther is actually able to come out in november which seems highly unlikely at yeah, this point it does but but um optimistically if it does come out in november i have to believe the flash is going to move their date like they can't beat marvel you know what i mean like no. i don't know well do you remember way back in the day batman v superman and captain america civil war say, where they, they had yeah. that same release date and and, and how did DC, that go for batman DC got a they got a little they got nervous yeah they they got cold feet yeah, cold feet, that's the word. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's kind of sad, it's a little depressing, but I mean, it's good for theaters, I guess, that like they're having so much commercial success with, with big franchise things, because then of course, you know, that's, what is that, like trickle-down economics to say that that's how the indies get greenlit? I didn't but know you Wes were Ronald, there... I didn't know we had Ronald Reagan no, on the show. No, 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 <laughs> but, 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 but that, that is something that people have been saying for a long time, is that these big yeah. commercial successes are good for the industry as a whole and it and it kind of helps smaller stuff get greenlit at the same time Wes, didn't uh, i saw on your story a few days ago that a particular theater in brooklyn dude i was just a, the mind meld is real so <laughs> i was my uh, this wasn't going to be my news but it will now be my news uh <laughs> let's let's just pour one out a moment of silence for the greatest for shitty the movie one. theater in the world i made a joke earlier today that the reason why court street closed is because they were making zero dollars off of concessions because every single human being was sneaking food in there they were sneaking food in court street like niggas sneak guns into clubs like they were (laughs) they were sneaking everything into court street contraband dude i remember once my dad snuck a pizza into court street i don't know how he did a full pizza pie anyway great memories at court street r.i.p movie theaters are dying so sorry I I just looked this up (laughs) online. I think I went here to see uh, Don't Breathe. And I think I got Uh, the first Don't Breathe like a couple years ago. And I think I got rained on. I think rain was coming through the roof, but I might be wrong. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. I saw saw Black Panther. I saw a lot of movies there. But I saw uh, Black Panther there. And there was a guy in the aisles dancing to the SZA song uh, Mm -hmm. in a Black Panther suit. (laughs) I'm looking at more pictures of the inside of the theater. And then this is where that happens. Yeah. Okay. So I I have been here. (laughs) Justin, had you ever been here? I don't think I ever made it to Court Street. Wow. Um, It's it's right by a Barnes & Noble. Dan, is this where we went to see Suicide Squad? Or is that another Brooklyn theater? I have no idea. That's another one, I think. That was on like a friend's birthday. And it was in Brooklyn. I know that for sure. Um, but I don't think it was this one, no. It feels so wrong that Zach isn't here for this, because yeah. Zach is the only other Brooklyn denizen on here. Uh, I can't really verbalize to you. <laughs> well, Zach important. would be able to tell us, because he was there for that. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Well, he was there for I mean, that I mean, party, yeah. I, uh, Court Street and the Pavilion were two major Brooklyn theaters for Brooklyn kids. They were really awful theaters. 
but like kind of like awful in the way that you kind of you can talk during the movie you can smoke a yeah. cigarette during the movie uh yeah. it, you know and it, it was great and the pavilion was just turned into a nighthawk uh, and the yeah. court street was just wiped out by, I assume, the Alamo. So, like, we're seeing, Damn. We're, and, and like a more serious note, I guess. Uh, well, we're you, seeing. You think they're going to you know. turn it into an Alamo? No, it's getting turned into like oh, an, I think an, an I apartment building. Okay, but, but but what I'm saying is like we're seeing like more traditional movie theaters being wiped out in favor yeah. of movie theaters. Especially boutique, you know boutique I mean? theaters. Boutique. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate. With, with bars know. and, you know, the works. Although, well, I mean, it. a lot of the time, I, I don't like stuff like that for a lot of movies. I don't like the sit-down-shut-up uh, mode of watching a movie for anything that's that's supposed to get, like, a big, uh, you know, crowd uh, engagement, you know? Yeah. Like, it sucked seeing um, Scream at the Alamo. No one was, was making any noise. But, then, oh, it, but yeah. like, I saw it the night before at the AMC, and it was like, everyone was having so much fun. It's like, I'm ugh. I hope I hope the Magic Johnson never closes because that's 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 Court Street but in Harlem. It's like yeah. a very yeah. similar experience. Although it has changed significantly. I remember when I was younger, Magic Johnson was like the theater that you went to as a last resort um, <laughs> because of that same like attitude where you know you weren't going to the Magic Johnson to hear the movie. About seven people had their babies with yeah. them. There was a couple fighting in the front row. Then they then Harlem started to get a bit more gentrified, and Magic Johnson got a bit of an upgrade. Like the actual showrooms got a little nicer, and so the the crowds got less rowdy. But mm. um, I am old enough to remember the the character that it once had. I actually saw, I at least saw Ang Lee's Hulk there. Oh, and really? I remember it vividly nice. because my dad had to go to the bathroom at one point. And he left me in the in the showroom because he didn't want to take me out of the movie. Too, he knew. I guess he thought I was having a good time. And you were and because I, you're the only man on earth who likes that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was during the dog fight scene in the forest. So okay. very scary. Is, very scary isn't like shitty like movie theaters kind of part of everyone's like childhood, like growing up and loving movies? Because my equivalent to that so. was this theater in New Jersey called. Uh, Bellevue that was like famously really garbage and the only mm. it was it was like a non-chain it was like a mom and pop movie theater I think and the only thing that kept it afloat was um the Rocky Horror Picture Show that they would do on Saturday at midnight and like people would come dressed up and that was the yeah. only thing like keeping the theater from like going under because I saw the whole Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy there and I remember like it was always really dim because like to save yeah. money like they would uh unlike the power bill I guess the projector would like be a little bit too dim so I always had uh, to like squint to see the movie. Popcorn was stale. Right. Uh, the fucking the seats were like falling apart in the ceiling and shit. I mean, but I loved that theater. It had a charm. And and when they finally got rid of it, I was really sad. Did you yeah. cry, Dan? Yeah, you I cried. Yeah, on the media market. No, yeah, I, I still cry. I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna cut. We're gonna and we're back. <laughs> don't cut. I that, just don't. had a <laughs> don't, yeah, cut don't cut that. Don't cut that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, man, but shitty theaters have a charm. I mean, they did. I'm they nostalgic did. for shit theaters. I guess. I, I mean, I think I think you're right, Dan. I mean, not not. I mean, we've gotten very very deep into this movie theater conversation, but I think like. <laughs> You know, I think it's. I. I mean, as a fan of the Alamo, like I love the Alamo. You guys know that. Yeah. Any chance I can get, I'll go see a movie at the Alamo. But I think there's like a certain, as you said, like there's a charm to seeing. Like I saw Sinister and Hereditary at, at Court Street. Yeah. And 
people like begging for their lives in the the like literally being like please please no 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 (laughs) in in the court street movie theater made those movies better you know what i mean like they made the the experience of watching those movies someone someone goes around the corner to get a refill on popcorn you just hear a gunshot and you never see them again they never come back (laughs) classic well Uh, that's how we do it here (laughs) justin do you what's your news uh, yeah, I mean, I just found this because I went on Screen Rant 10 minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the remote- by the way, uh, d- Screen Rant, it, it, that sounds like a important, <laughs> it sounds like an important. Should we, should we talk about that on the show? Are we allowed? I, should we bring that in? I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't have any, um, I've not yet been told that I can't talk about it. Great. I, um, I mean, make the announcement. This yeah, is make, the, let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's I, say I, it. Uh, we're, we're, we're legitimate, Justin. <laughs> Yeah. I've been hired as a freelancer for Screen Rant's uh, comics contribution uh, section. So I'll be writing about comic books, which means I have to start reading them a lot more regularly. Great. Snaps for Screen Rant. Been. Thank you. Good thank shit. You. Yeah, no, we, more we legitimacy for the medium work. Man. That's what it's about. Yeah. One of us That's, is a professional just, critic. The other three are guys with opinions, which is great. I'm just back-ending you guys in. What's gonna, we're going to do the Ryan George thing where like the dude who does all their pitch meetings, like sooner or later, the medium <laughs> yeah. org is going to be sponsored by Screen Rant. Yeah, man. Um, we should make the medium org a production company. like Just, just like a, a thing for a bunch of different – like. Companies like just sh- uh, like a bunch of shell companies, just all mm. <laughs> called the media offshore accounts. just laundering money. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, I, uh, I I saw that uh, Guillermo del Toro is co-directing an animated Pinocchio film set to release uh, later this fall, um, and it's it's been in production hell for a while. Yeah, He's directing it with Mark Gustafson, um, and it's based off of the based on a. Gris Grimly design from a 2002 edition of the original novel. Okay. Um, and it's uh, it's got, you know, I mean, all the regular uh, people. You've got Ewan McGregor as the cricket, Ron mm. Perlman, Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz, uh, Kate Blanchett. It sounds like a stacked cast. Yeah. And it's set during um, fascist Italy in the 1930s. Oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, I'll, I'll honestly say Del one Toro thing. loves his... Yeah, his he does. Design, he does. He does for sure. His Nightmare Alley was my second uh, favorite movie of the year, I think. I really, 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 really liked Nightmare Alley. Kate Blanchett was great in that. I mean, it was like peak Del Toro, in my opinion. Not, not many people were talking about that. I didn't see it. I have to liked that see movie it. a lot. I, I wish yeah. he got to make his Bioshock movie. It probably would have been bad, but I, I, I would have liked to see what he would have done with that. That's my favorite game series that there is. Yeah. Perhaps he even even Del Toro may not have been able to, no. to beat the video game movie. That, that's curse, like the right? ultimate game that you can't adapt. That's why it would have been so interesting. Because like when you're playing a game, it's like, okay, I found a scary syringe in this underground city. I guess to progress, I have to inject myself with, with whatever right. is in the syringe. But in the movie, it's like... You're going to be screaming at someone for doing that, you know, yeah. on the screen. You you can't really. Uh, it it doesn't communicate wasn't the same he, way. Wasn't he also attached to a possible Shadow of the Colossus? He was. Oh, I remember that. That's crazy. I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. That you, would have been perfect for him too. You could compile a whole uh, volume of Del Toro of shelved yeah. projects that were extremely yeah. he was ambitious. To, he was supposed to do Half Blood Prince. He was supposed That's to crazy. do. Uh, oh God! There was another. Oh, Justice League Dark obviously was a big one. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, well, he's, I it, thought that that was going to uh, Fetty Alvarez, the the Don't Breathe and um, Evil knows? Dead twenty thirteen guy. You know, Justice I League think Dark. That. that movie has ter- that movie slash TV show has passed through so many hands. I honestly can't yeah. tell you who's in charge of it right now. Weird. But it's very weird. 
I um it, it, this makes me think before we before we move on uh, and wrap up the news segment. Um, it makes me think about when we when we talked about uh, the Holy Mountain mm-hmm. and we watched Jodorowsky's Dune and like the whole thing with that being the ambition of Jodorowsky's vision for Dune, yeah. right? Like, and everyone was saying this movie is literally impossible to make. Del Toro also seems like he has some of that like spirit mm-hmm. in him. I mean, he's not quite as insane, but he is such a geek. He, he is definitely an eccentric uh, geek. Yeah, and he, you guys saw yeah. that video, like his house tour, right? Exactly. He has yeah. all the wax like um, puppets of like Linda Blair and The Exorcist, just like sitting on this couch yeah. and like shrunken heads. A giant heads. Boris Karloff, yeah, and Frankenstein, Sh- shrunken head, yeah. heads and like little vases and in jars and stuff. I-, I wonder how much of that shit in Nightmare Alley just like came from his house. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably a, lot, probably of a lot of it. Yeah, he just has a house of weird trinket stuff. Yeah, like, he had them in his house. And his wife was like, please get this out of my home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember this... what late night show host that was. I think it was Kimmel. He yeah. made like a talk yes. show, cheesy talk show host joke about like, it would suck to be drunk in here. But it's true. I can't imagine Del Toro being able to like kick back and like have a drink in that house. Stumbling around yeah. in the middle of the night and like Linda Blair like falling over you. Like, ah, like, <laughs> that would give me yeah. a heart attack. It would yeah. it'd be chaotic. Also, also like... the Moon Knight trailer came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looks fine. We don't have to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. You know. Looks fine. They do the thing where the costume forms over the guy, the CGI, not nanotech, but they found a new way of doing it that still looks stupid. Uh, that's that's my only take on that. It looks silly. Just bad British accents all around. Yeah, bad British accents in Spider-Man No Way Home. A pretty bad one here. God they they needed to make it more gothic. I mean, I mean we, we kind of get that one shot of the moon silhouetting him. That looks cool. But I thought, you know... Yeah. It was like a Marvel Knights thing that like really got like Blade comic levels of gothic. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. Disney thinks that that would like turn people off. Uh, but I don't know. There's I some stuff in here that there's some stuff in here that looks. I mean, you know, some hints of psychological horror. Yeah. yeah. But when he's like punching Anubis in the snout or whatever he's <laughs> doing in that dingy bathroom, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was just yeah, a Denny's bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, imagine if he that was is a, that is a cool up, looking and shot. Someone, and a Denny's employee is like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> my bad, my bad." They basically have that where the woman gets in the elevator and he thinks it's like a, a vengeful spirit coming after him, and yeah. he's just like, "Drop my contact on the floor." Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've always enjoyed the iconography of Moon Knight. Sure. He's a really yeah. cool looking character, yeah. but this trailer revealed to me really I know next to nothing about him, me too. which is kind of. Exciting in a way because it's like yeah. even as as a, as a fan of all these properties, I go in with expectations. Yeah. With this, I'll be able to have kind of like a you know a, a clean I, I would fail that exam. Let me tell you because because yeah. I, <laughs> I looked up a little bit of what the Moon Knight lore is all about, and then I watched that trailer and I was like, I'm still very lost. I'm very lost. <laughs> but but it, it's kind of the same promise as that first Venom movie where it's like this is going to be a psychological thriller, and then it just becomes kind of silly. I guess. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. They can't really we, we commit shall to see. that. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Ethan Hawke looks like he's playing a cult leader. Yeah, like the dude. <laughs> what's that dude's name from Waco? Like, uh, uh, uh Kanish, Karish, whatever. Whatever. Some he. I mean, yeah. it's it's just unclear what his character's supposed to be. Probably on purpose. Um, but just Oscar Isaac, I mean, elevates the shittiest of material. So I, 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 he's he does. It's, it's he's going to he be does. interesting tackling a, a superhero role. I mean, so does Ethan Hawke. Ethan yeah, Hawke's a great actor. So. 
I think both. He of elevated that first yeah. Purge movie, even though he's just stumbling around in a dark house most of the time, tripping over <laughs> furniture and stuff. I will say, I I think that um, what has started to occur to me because I also just watched Eternals for the first time. We're not going to do a mini review of Eternals in the news section, but it it, it that Justin that is it. a film that should have been a TV show. Yeah, and I think that the the future of all these Marvel properties should just be turn put them on Disney Plus. Just make a mini series. It's so hard to follow. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. But like Eternals definitely could have benefited from devoting an episode sure. to each Eternal, each era, without yeah. like trying to instead of jumping without trying so to much. cram yeah eighteen characters. Well, it could have been. It, I think that's right. I think it could have been eight episodes, one per Eternal, and have each episode be a mm. split time. Yeah, like the way Yellow Jackets. What operates. they were doing back. Then. I need to check that out. That has our favorite from uh, Scream was, so I'm excited to watch that. It does. It's also uh, Karen Karen Kusama from... uh, Yeah, oh, wow. That's cool. Which is cool. Interesting. Well, we have uh, have our boy Zach waiting in the wings, so why don't we wrap up the news segment, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, all that blood. Is this a podcast I see before me? The microphone toward my lips? Come Man, shut me. up, dude. <laughs> I'm sick of this already. Have we started? Yeah. Uh, are we in like this it? recording? Here we are. Great. Uh, welcome back from the break, y'all. We are talking about the tragedy of Macbeth, a 2021 adaptation of the William Shakespeare drama directed and written well, not written by Joel Cohen. I don't know why they, they said that. He uh, wrote it by himself. It's <laughs> so funny that he has a writing credit. I love that. Um, I guess the screenplay was, yeah. Uh, Before we Cohen. even get started, though, Justin, I have a question. Zach, um, if Three Witches told you yeah. that you had to kill us in order to be um, king of... Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you would like to be king of would you do it i'd like to know king of what yes no king of the podcast yeah i would do it too if if it's i'm just looking for an excuse to fucking pop you all on the head you're asking me about no 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 (laughs) killing it's it's really if it's if it's zach you will be a famous the most famous actor you just have to kill these three men yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) that's the question yeah I wouldn't even feel bad, honestly. Wow, exactly. you guys are evil. Honestly, wow. it's refreshing sure. as always. Uh, <laughs> so, hey. um, it, it is. Uh, we. Th- I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, Me too. Uh, because Me too. this, I think, is a pairing that is kind of like really key to what the show is all about. Um, you know, talking about themes, introducing people to something unfamiliar through something more familiar. Sure. So. Um, uh, not to belabor the point, this is Macbeth. Um, you're all familiar with it, so spoiler alert, out the gate. Um, but 500 I, I, years old spoilers. Yes. Just. Uh, but I guess, um, you know, as far as what we'll be talking about is what makes this adaptation special or worth seeing, um, if if anything. You know, obviously we might have a difference of opinion. I got to see this thanks to Wes early on uh, during New York Film Festival. He's he's the plug. Wes is the plug for seeing movies ahead of time. Um, Thanks, man. (laughs) And um, I saw it at the Francesca Beale in Lincoln Center, and um, I was I was quite taken by it. I remember it it took me a while to warm up to it, um, but 
what became clear to me was that this this version of Macbeth was very much um, tied into the age of the Macbeths, right? Like it's sure. very much a postmenopausal take yeah. on them, where mm-hmm. they're 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 well into their re- really their retirement age, and they have had so many opportunities pass them by. They've had so many promises made, and I think it's particularly in Denzel's performance, you can see. Yeah. The the spirit of a man who doesn't want to get his hopes up because yeah. Yeah. he's just been here so many times, yeah. but he figures, okay, I'll go for it. And then once he decides to do it, he's all the way in. Um, and I think that's why his performance, even if it starts kind of – a lot of people have criticized him for being like sort of mumbly or whatever. Yeah. But I sure. think you are seeing his machination work um, yeah. as as a guy who is like – do I really feel like doing this? I'm old. I'm tired. Like, yeah, it, no, it, it's it's very inspired in that way. I, I mean, yeah. the older you get, the more focused you are on what you leave behind and, and your legacy. And maybe an an older man who an older couple who feel like they don't have much to lose, maybe they would make this giant leap, you know, to mm-hmm. finally have yeah. that power yeah. and and be remembered for something. Yeah. Wes, you've seen it, I, I assume, five times by now. So so just to peel back the curtain of the machinations of this show, um, I was kind of the Lord Macbeth of the media morgue <laughs> for about s- three to four months uh, because back in October, right before Justin and I went to go see this movie, I said, uh, clear your schedules, losers. We will be doing Macbeth when it comes out on Apple and we will be doing it with Throne of Blood. And they said, Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but, 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 but I, uh, I mean, this movie is kind of made for me. Like I, mm-hmm. Zach and I were in Shakespeare camp together. So we're, we're hey. in deep. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I think, you know, there's one way to read it where it's an adaption of Macbeth where they're older, which I think is really, is, is really inspired as well. Um, mm. it's, it's obviously trying to do an Orson Welles thing with making the movie mm-hmm. look like a, a, a set, but I think there's another way to read it where the movie's about Denzel Washington as a black celebrity mm. and as like the movie is like commenting on the fact that Denzel Washington is, has been probably, if not number one, number two, the most famous actor on the planet for 30 years. You know what I mean? And mm. like, I feel like the movie's very much about like how does it feel to occupy that role of power? Like mm-hmm. what does it mean for another person another young black actor to be coming up and trying to take you out? You know what I mean? And the way that they style Corey Hawkins to look like Denzel in in his younger days, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um no, I, I think the movie I think the movie is, is is really effective. I think Denzel is delivers a really great performance in the back half. I take I think it takes him some time to warm up yeah. into it. I have some issues with Francis McDormand's performance, mm. um, and I think this, but I think the supporting cast is pretty universally strong. So I, I, I'm a fan of this movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, now Zach, I know you didn't get to to finish this whole uh, this whole one. Uh, that's, that's twenty okay. minutes. <laughs> because, <laughs> twenty minutes I've seen because uh, you are something of a of a Macbeth aficionado. You perform yourself. Uh, I'm something of a Shakespeare myself, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you performed um, a Zoom version of it last summer, and it was quite that's good. That's true. You were a, Zo- a Zoom version? I did, yeah. We did a Zoom production. Uh, it was live. We did, like, what, four or five nights of it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, and I was McDuff. I I only watched nice. 20 minutes of this. Thank you. I only watched 20 minutes of this, but I really uh, got the sense that this was a dude who's been working a nine-to-five desk job for ten years right. only to watch the boss's son get promoted ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, like, I 
I don't think that's that, a good I mean, read. you know, right. That's thank you. Thank you it. very much. Um, you know, and so the ages of the characters is really cool because, you know, hearing the language with that framing, I was like, wait, yeah, why has Macbeth always been this younger guy who just like, whose wife just convinces him that he needs yeah. to take it now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it yeah. suddenly really makes sense to cast them as older because it's, it, it's desperation. Yeah. Um, you know? Well, uh, w- when we put this on in the seventh grade, we had what was called the seventh grade Shakespeare project. Our Macbeth was uh, not even through puberty. So, nice. yes, yeah. nice. that was, that so was also a pretty ages. interesting <laughs> interpretation. Yeah. And I played the uh, the drunken oh. porter. Yeah. I, I don't know about y'all, but um, and at the risk of maybe just turning into a, a general Shakespeare conversation for the next 10 minutes. Uh, Should Macbeth? we all do our monologues? Our college no, Shakespeare no, monologues? Should, uh, does that sound <laughs> good to you guys? It were done uh, when I still done. have Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. As do I. Do also I also did If It Were Done When Tis Done. I also did that one. So Love that. For, for I, Young yeah. Arts, which I didn't do. I, I know you all and will a while uphold the unyoked humor of your idleness. I did that Stop at it. Young Arts. I did that at Young Arts, Justin. Uh, you know? All right. All I, don't right. Have that, I don't have that fancy LaGuardia education. Okay? I'm just a punk <laughs> kid. Uh, you know, scrappy Dan, kid. <laughs> I, Dan, I know you, of course. You remember... You remember Dr. Rose. I think it was freshman year she made us memorize uh, Friends Romans. I remember reading Macbeth for the first time and 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 having like a eureka moment where I was like, oh, I get it. Like Macbeth mm-hmm. was the first Shakespeare play that I felt I understood. And then I mm-hmm. could see so many other things in it. Because I think yeah. that at the time that I read it, uh, House of Cards had just started on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching that, and I was like, "This is the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's the same concept." And similarly, there you have an older middle aged couple. Um, you know, should have been Robin Wright in this movie. Justin. Usurping positions of power. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a pretty universal uh, story. Exactly. Story. Yeah, and and should and I know Robin there are. Wright. There, I've had English teachers who would be like, who would get upset at me comparing everything to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the guy is obviously influential, right? So you're going to yeah. see. <laughs> what do you, like, what do you want from me? Um, you were that kid. You were that kid, huh? It's funny that you mentioned that because because watching Throne of Blood, I mean, I, I, I'm I was thinking the whole time about how much our you know Western uh, culture owes so much to to Kurosawa's filmmaking and how mm-hmm. it was kind of the blueprint for what would become the blockbuster. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to go back to Justin saying that he used to compare everything to Shakespeare. What were you comparing to Shakespeare in your classes, Justin? No, I'm saying like, I still, I still do. Like, I like this, <laughs> this yeah. past semester, I said, that, spot. I said that. I said that Succession reminded me of like, um, like Lear. King Lear, right? Yeah, like it is. That's true. That's kind of the mm-hmm. model for it. So, um, <laughs> what a nerd. What a nerd. What a fucking geek, dude. Why is this guy on our... What? <laughs> You're supposed but, to use your brain. Why are you using your brain, Justin? You're supposed to be using your hands. I wanted to <laughs> ask y'all about the uh, production design on this because it's very, I think... Gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's it's really lovely. It's It's got this... Uh, a lot of people compared it to... 1930s like cabinet of dr caligari it's got the chioscuro lighting it's got the you know building off of that the the whole time i was just (laughs) thinking of uh bergman i mean it it looks Mm. and and moves a lot like a a bergman film like through a glass darkly and you know Uh persona and all films that i will watch all films that i have seen (laughs) the contortionist uh witch reminded me a lot of uh death and um the seventh seal do you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, no. with the little with the little ski cap on. But the the witch the witch was, was one of the best. Uh, very scary performance. The contortionist, yeah, very very, cool. very scary. I I know. I think I was just gonna say. I think the production design is something that's getting dunked on. 
Um, is it a lot? Yeah, what? it's getting dunked on. Yeah, yeah, no, not weird. There are, there are folks that are like it's too play like, which it's a play. I mean, it's supposed to be yeah. also right. But also, like I think I think the idea that Macbeth is stuck in a constructed reality that's mm-hmm. changing. That's, that's like cool. literally in the third act begins to change and shift. As Feels he like a limbo. Yeah, yeah, he's like in hell. Like I mean, I think uh. I think I think I don't think it's 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 a it's a choice made like frivolously. I think it's a choice yeah. that was made because it's it aligns with the themes of the play. I also think that wow. people yeah. throw around the ideas of like people say, oh, this movie's too play like like. Plays have good stuff in them. What does it take, does it take to play? make people fucking happy? Like, like, how do you please people? Yeah. Like, the set yeah. design is so I, beautiful. I, I'd like to highlight for a second. This is unrelated. Have you guys seen this letterbox uh, poster for? Yes. Is this uh, yeah. racist? <laughs> is it racist? <laughs> is this? I don't think so. Look at his lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's not, racist. Now you're making me look. <laughs> He does have kind. Of, oh yeah. Okay, I see what I see where you're. you're, you're. Oh. <laughs> to your point though, Wes, about the the set design, there are several transitions that um, invite you to pay attention to how similar some of the set pieces look. Right, like there they will they'll double expose and they'll transition from an overhead shot of like I remember the the scene after um, Macbeth kills. Duncan, which, by the way, has the same framing as him waking up his wife when he comes back from the field, yeah. which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. cool. cool. Uh, but um, there's a, the overhead shot of the court that slowly phases into a shot of that tilted house um, in the in the in the brush where uh, they eventually like kill uh, Banquo and his son. Um, there's stuff like that, or after. Um, when when Macbeth is in his tent, kind of mumbling to himself about you know the idea of what the witches have said to him, it passes by him and goes through the tent into Lady Macbeth walking down the hallway. Very cool. Yeah, so a lot of neat transitions like that, and because the film is in grayscale, you know you're not worried about colors matching you, as long yeah. as you get the lighting and the shadows right. And there is some really yeah. beautiful photography in this. Did you guys notice? Well, wait, what am I talking about? I've seen 20 minutes of this movie. But in the 20 minutes that I wa- watched, <laughs> I noticed that they didn't actually, like, they weren't riding horses. And I don't know if that actually continues. I Maybe in the next scene after the 20 minutes that I watched, they started riding horses. But just from the top, I noticed, I was like, this also, again, makes it feel like a play because it's just these actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're it's just a lot cool. of ambulatory travel. Yeah. Did you guys notice the fire and um, that, like, camp uh, set? Which one? It's not like a real fire. It's like ribbons with like a light oh, underneath oh, yes, them, and, yes, and the yes, ribbons yes, yes. are, are fluttering around. Very I funny. did notice that. Yes, yes, Very yes. Cool. Wes, uh, I want to ask you this because you you might have, and, and actually Zach too, because y'all might have more specifics about the script. Ross's character in this movie confused me. I feel like I've never understood. They've expanded the Ross character. it. They've expanded yeah. it significantly. I mean, Zach, yeah. you, you're 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 the you're the master of this. So I'll kick it over to you. Um, uh, Ross is, of course, the one with the close buzzed cut hair, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I um I don't remember, but he does feel <laughs> like I'm just gonna take a shot anyway because I I don't have a lot to talk about this movie. Um, did they combine his role with another yeah. person's? Okay, that's that's because yeah. Yeah, I you'll you'll see this when you finish the movie, Zach. Uh, I, and I haven't ever performed the play, so I, I only know so much. Uh, but I know th- Ross is a character that's like a minor character in the play. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've combined Ross with the third murderer 
from, uh, the, yes. from the play. Oh, that's a so, big deal. Or the fourth murderer. Like, there's a murderer that was unnamed in Macbeth, yeah. and yeah. people like to. It's it's a it's like an open like free tile for people yeah. to slap Lennox. characters in. Right. Lennox, Macbeth himself. Like, it's a it's a way to for the director to get fun with the interpolation yeah. of, of the thing, and they make it Ross, and then they build. They that's essentially fun. make that choice and build out that character from making him the third murderer. That's cool. Yeah. Which is cool. Makes sense. Given, um, given our, our, of course, our time constraints, I want to make sure before we move on to Throne of Blood, we talk about the other Titan performance in this, uh, Frances McDormand. Now, Wes, you said mm-hmm. that you had some issues with her take on the role that I'd like to, I'm keen to hear about. I think she's a little, uh, I mean, my, 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 my girl said, said this better than me, but I think it's because women are smarter than men, uh, as this movie <sighs> shows. Uh, so but she, she said something really smart that I thought, it was was actually my problem with it, and I think Frances McDormand's a pretty great actress, but I think she's a little too mannered. Like I think it's very clear that she she hits the marks, but there's nothing inside of it. You know, it's a little mm. stiff. Yeah, and I, I think, see what you mean. Like her performance is, is mannered, not the character characterization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think it would have served if they'd gotten someone who has a little bit more chemistry with Denzel. They don't feel married. Like I feel. Like if they'd gotten Angela Bassett, like you always say, or if they'd gotten Robin Wright, or if they'd gotten, you know what I mean? Like someone that he could have sparked with a little bit more. They don't seem like they're even in the same universe mm-hmm. to me. That's, well, that's she's yeah. part of the reason this movie got made. She was she was criticizing yeah. Joel Cohen for uh, not having any powerful women uh, in his yeah. movies, and and this kind of became their, you know, their their collaborative brainchild was yeah. was adapting yeah. Macbeth. That's fair. I, 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 that's, I, that's interesting that you say that, Wes, because I think particularly as it relates to in relation to Throne of Blood, which we'll get into soon, I feel like the dynamic, it's always very interesting to see how directors choose to interpret Lady Macbeth and Macbeth's relationship, right? How much love is actually there. I felt like there was a certain level of connection. I did feel like these two people... I mean, even if it wasn't like passionate, I felt like there was that companionate love, right? Like I got the sense that here's a here's a pair that have been married a very long time. They know each other very well, and it's it's not about like when when it's a when it's a younger like the Fassbender Cotillard um, adaptation that came yeah. out in 2015, which I really like. When it's a younger, I saw that. yeah, when it's a younger couple, it it feels more like Lady Macbeth is directly challenging his manhood right it's yeah. like mm-hmm. you know you you better like you have to do this otherwise i'm not attracted mm-hmm. to you straight up right. <laughs> like you know nothing's yeah. going on down here until you do this right yeah. but with with these older couple uh, with this older pair rather it feels like she's it's more about psyching him up yeah. to do something that she she's knows him. yeah that she knows that he's capable of doing it's yeah. not like you know she's diminishing him and i think that's why at when he when he keeps going like which is this is the 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 fulcrum i guess of the play anyway is that she starts to realize she's created a monster but different interpretations do different things Mm -hmm. i think in this one it's very clear that she's trying to tell him okay relax like yeah we've done what we needed to do Mm -hmm. and he just can't you know what i mean he can't she's unlocked something in him exactly And I just, so I, I mean, I, although I do, I do understand what you mean about the performance itself feeling very Mm -hmm. like I'm doing Shakespeare the way it's supposed to be done. Whereas Denzel's performance, like it or not, feels a bit more lived in, right? He's doing what Denzel does, which is he's making it his own. Takes over everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, and, I, th- um, I think yeah. if if we can talk about that for a second before we we wrap, mm-hmm. Justin, I think Denzel said that he'd <clears throat> never seen Macbeth perform before. So he, like this was one of those roles that he was essentially reading the text and not batting up against anything else. He was just trying to make a performance. Yeah, and I think. You, one could say Denzel's been trying to play Macbeth his whole life. Like all, a lot of his roles, like Alonzo from Training Day, like you know, like a lot of these characters are Macbeth-like. Kind of power so when the movie starts, American you're kind of like, "Where's yeah, American Gangster?" You're kind of like watching it, and you're like, Where's "Where that? is that guy?" Yeah, yeah. And then when he turns, true. and then when he turns into that guy, yeah, it, it's 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 really cool, especially in the uh-huh. last twenty minutes when he's like killing everybody, and you know, he's really alive, you know. Which is why I think he. I don't know. I mean, I know you have opinions on the the performance too, Justin. No, I, I, that's that's well said. Um, I mean, yes, Zach. When you finish the movie, you will see there's a there's a point where he smacks some dude yeah. in the lip, uh, I love that. <laughs> because he's it's the whole I can't be killed by one of woman born. Yeah, guy comes into his throne room, he smacks him in the teeth, and then stabs him. You know, in that's the back great. Of the neck. It's pretty yeah. awesome. That's so. That's actually really cool to hear. Like you guys talk about how he changes throughout the movie. Because of course, I've only seen this more soft-spoken, mild-mannered, like pensive, exhausted dude. Yeah. Um, sure. And I, you see a glimpse of it right when he's. And what's funny is that moment in the tent where he's. You know, it's after he's given the title of the Thane of Cawdor, and he's with the king. Um, and the king, like you know. It just officially announces his son as the Prince of Cumberland, I think. And Denzel, yeah. you know, he just, he just, like, it's very gracious. And I was like, that's a cool interpretation for this character that he's still, like, you know, withholding. But then he bursts out of the tent and yeah. you just see, like, that, like, fire, that, like, yeah. panther in, in Denzel. And I was like, that was really exciting. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting is when he did the If It Were Done, When Tis Done, um, mm-hmm. I had thoughts about his acting there because. I mean, again, I like the idea that he's it's it's he's coming at it from a logical standpoint, right? He's not like a lot of actors will choose to play that with like heavy emotion. You know what I mean? Like there's just mm-hmm. like everything is just like dripping. Um, so for him to do that and really make it more analytical, thoughtful, like what mm-hmm. could you know realistically happen from this? It's cool because you know it's you, it shows his age, his experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a moment or two where I felt like he might've lost me. It's just like, it's, it's, it's a small moment, but he looks up into the air and he just kind of like runs through these words. And again, mm-hmm. I think that that interpretation is cool for Macbeth because a lot of times you just see like overly emotional performances. But mm-hmm. I did wonder if some of that nuance, some of that like intensity and that got, uh, got lost. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Same thing for me happens when he does, um, she should have died hereafter. I'm not the biggest fan yeah. of how he delivers that one. I think that's like the, yeah. that is the most important soliloquy tomorrow and tomorrow one. and tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And I ever yeah. since I watched um ever since I watched this video where Ian McKellen breaks down how he delivered that soliloquy, I was like, "Oh, this is the way to do it." You know, a lot of people yeah. kind of just the intentionality um and this is not a Shakespeare podcast, none of us are linguists or dramaturgs. <laughs> not yet. So, not yet, not yet, <laughs> but um uh but the, there's a there's kind of like a and hearing McKellen break it down and then watching him perform it like in succession is so cool because there's sort of like um, I don't know I think that there there's a way to perform that where you see Macbeth almost like transporting beyond like he's becoming almost like post human in a sense where he's like he's really just in full into the meaninglessness of of life right like that's what that soliloquy is about and I think sometimes people 
just again similar to what you were saying zach they get caught up in either the emotion of it or Mm -hmm. the words themselves because there's repetition they repeat without knowing what the why yeah why they're doing it Mm -hmm. um and Macbeth, in saying tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, is getting exhausted, I think, by the repetition. So it's a, it's a meta sort of thing. And I just yeah, don't think, absolutely. you know, I, didn't, I wasn't in love with how it was interpreted in this. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it, not everything can be perfect uh, unless Akira Kurosawa directs it. I, I, think, <laughs> I think, but I, I think adding to that, Justin, and then we can actually end because we keep stretching it. <laughs> it's which fine. Which is my bad. Um, I, I think I think that's an that's a really interesting way to put it. And with these monologues that we all the audience knows, there's kind of an there's kind of like a feeling that the actor has to do has to break out and do it the way they want to do it. Otherwise, you know what I mean? Because everyone's everyone's going to feel a way about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow the yes, way everyone's right. going to feel a way about to be or not to be or whatever. Yes, you course. know what I mean? Um, and I and I was I was also not a huge fan of the way he delivered that, but it's because I watched like Kenneth Branagh do it and at like 15 was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. how you do the monologue. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, I think there is a certain amount of baggage that comes with, with specifically like the big three tragedies, you know, like Lear, mm-hmm. Macbeth, Hamlet, and then probably Romeo and Juliet. You know what I mean? Like the audience already has, even if the audience isn't like Shakespeare, they have the monologue in their head. Yeah. And the minute the actor begins, they go, Oh, I don't like that. Or they right. go, Oh, it's comparison. Like yeah. I mean, you know? it's like Dan said, you can't please everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Akira Kurosawa. <laughs> it's admirable, um, then, that um, Denzel, is, like you said, Wes, didn't really have like a framework to build upon. I mean, that this is just entirely him reading and, and making something his own. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people project so much onto these soliloquies. And being, being fresh at something like this is kind of refreshing. Yeah. For yeah. lack of a better, you know. Agreed. And, 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 and if anyone... The, if anyone can do it at this stage of their career, it's going to be Denzel. I, I like sure. that interpretation you offered, Wes, about the sort of meta narrative about his career, you know, and 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 being at the top of, you know, and especially in light of the passing of Sidney Poitier. Wes, you and I have had a lot of discussions mm-hmm. about the race man, right, and how there's like there's you know Hollywood would would have it that there's one kind of like representative black man in Hollywood and it was Sydney and then it was Morgan and then it was Denzel and then it was Chadwick yeah. you know what i mean so Denzel i mean obviously Morgan Freeman's still alive but Denzel has has inhabited that space for for many years now and especially with the passing of Mr. Poitier it, it's there's more on him so it 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 is interesting to watch this film through that lens too so um mm-hmm. yeah and I wonder if he does any more. I wonder if he does any more Shakespeare. Like, I wonder if he doesn't yeah. have one more in him. If he doesn't Maybe. do Lear, or he doesn't do Hamlet's dad or something like that. You know what I mean? Romeo and Juliet. Lear would be cool. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> As Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, let's rate it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's Macbeth. <laughs> and and in some ways, it uh, makes interesting choices. And in others... It's just the same old shit. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to give this um, three and a half severed Denzel Washington heads out of uh, six. I was so surprised they did that. I was so surprised when they carried that yeah. man's head in. I was like, yeah. you did this to Denzel? Yeah. Throne of Blood absolutely beats that scene, by the way, but we'll get into uh, it. Yeah. Throne of Blood has one of the best ending scenes. Ever. Anyway, um, I'll give it uh, four and a half maybe racist blackface Macbeth <laughs> posters out of six. <laughs> um, uh, 
Zach, I know you, you I, can't rate it since you, you didn't finish it. Seven out of ten for the 20 minutes that I saw. Great. Scary contortionists. Thank you. <laughs> 17 out of 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, yeah, I, I've said all the stuff I, I, I'd have to say about it. I, I, I'm not sure that it's my favorite of the cinema, cinematic Macbeth direct adaptations that I've seen. We're not, I you think... know, obviously Throne of Blood is a little different, but I like the, I would recommend the Justin Kurtzel from 2015 in terms of. Um, I'll check that one out. <clears throat> Yeah, that one's really pretty looking for that, sure. That one, yeah, well I, I remember it having uh, really jaw-dropping cinematography. I mean, yeah. Fassbender emerging from the fog with the, the sword mm-hmm. at his side. Yeah, yeah. Just so But um, I will go ahead and give it, um, uh, I'm going to say seven, yeah, yeah. Seven um, bloody daggers out of ten. Uh, cool. I think it's definitely worth watching, um, and uh, it's it, it. There's a lot about it from a from a filmmaking standpoint that's also really cool. We didn't even talk yeah. about the aspect ratio, but that's another thing ah, uh, as shit. well. So, Always satisfying cramming mm-hmm. that much visual information into such a such a small frame. Very yeah, cool. yeah. So give it a give it a once over on Apple TV if you've got it. We'll take our second break and then come back to talk about Throne of Blood. Stay tuned. Okay, folks, we are back to talk about our second and final movie of today's session. Once again, it's 1957, Throne of Blood, directed by Akira Kurosawa, a historical drama film co-written and directed by um, the man himself. And it transposes uh, William Shakespeare's play Macbeth from um, Scotland to feudal Japan. Um, nice. This movie, uh, I um, I watched actually for the first time in preparation of seeing the tragedy of Macbeth. So I went into the, the Francesca Beale with this uh, interpretation in my head and um, I, I was floored by it. I mean, uh, it's no secret that I'm a fan of Kurosawa. We've talked about uh, his films yeah. before on this podcast. We did Rashomon many. If movies you're a ago. fan of the medium, I mean, you yeah. gotta give Kurosawa his due. Exactly. Right? And um, uh, I, I think what's so cool about this is that it it does what I think um, it 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 hits a, a sweet spot with adaptation where it's close mm-hmm. enough to the source material that you can tell what it's, it's inspired by, but it is not beholden mm-hmm. to it. Right, and I think sure. that's what allows it to take the creative liberties that it does take throughout uh, the story. And, and I, I love those liberties. I, I mean, we'll get into it, but the final act is like such so, so, so many cool like um, changes that Kurosawa yeah. made that, that yeah. Yeah. elevate cool. it, elevate it in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Elevate. elevate. Yeah. Uh, well, Zach, you are the maybe the freshest on this because you'd seen it for the first time last night. Um, so, what were your impressions of it? Yes. So I watched it uh, immediately before bed. It was a mistake. My <laughs> eyes mistake, were buddy. closed <laughs> sometimes. Mistake, well, well, but, it's also spooky as shit. Did, did they give you the? Uh, did they give you a proper Absolutely. spook? Absolutely. Especially, I mean, that shot that that you sent earlier, where uh, Lady Macbeth. I shouldn't say yeah. that, Lady Asaji. Like, I, I need to. Sure. sure. She walks into the dark and then just it's like the mm. same shot and then comes back. Very scary. Oof. Um seeing the 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 Banquo is it uh Miki, mm-hmm. is that his name? I'm just, his, I'm just going to use the Shakespeare ghost. name, Zach. I you, Yeah, let's do was, that. Can we do that? I'm doing that too. All right. Yeah. I'll be I'll be the stickler. Just Go ahead. <laughs> All right, thank you. Um you know, so but but anyway, I thought it was great. Definitely some spooky moments. Uh my eyes were closed. Uh, right before the moment where Macbeth gets shot with one of 
1,000 arrows that later <laughs> enter his body. And that woke me up. You know, I was, I was literally, my eyes were literally closed and I heard the arrow and I was like, and so, um, and that's a great sequence. I mean, it's just relentless and it, it doesn't cut no, away. That's, that's what I was talking getting, about the final act. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was, it was, you know, it was great. Uh, definitely some slow moments that I think could have kept going, but I, I don't know how to judge that for this time mm-hmm. period when this mm-hmm. was made. I, you know, like it's hard to, to judge this movie harshly or negatively at all. Yeah. Dan? Uh, before we forget, I just want to say, yeah, I had never seen this in, in that final act. This is what I was talking about earlier, but when he's getting just rained down uh by arrows uh the one that goes through his neck Oof. i was not expecting that Oof. effect to look as good as it does me neither because because it's it's mm-hmm. just a cut like in place like he's standing still and then the guy comes up yeah. and puts it on either side of his neck but he, he, yeah. he mifune is so still and the way they do that is convincing as shit. Like I, I've never seen that in any yeah. other movie from that era. How how convincingly the arrow kind of flies through his neck. It, it like took me. Yeah. Took me, I was taken aback. Um, yeah. I think atmosphere is really really key to a Kurosawa movie. And Kurosawa yeah. never actually did like a straight horror film, but. You know this, and, and we also talked about Rashomon in, in our very what first or second episode of the show. Was it the second episode? Who, who knows? I think so. Or third? third yeah. yeah. Time is a um, His his <laughs> early cinema has this really foreboding and, and abstract kind of uh, tonality to it. I mean, I mean, especially when he deals with um, spirits and disembodied yes. uh, abstractions you know in in the way they howl and the way their voices echo uh rolling Very fog scary. and and i mean sh- sh- shots that just add so much atmosphere like us looking up at the sky and seeing seeing the rain come down and the trees and stuff as we hear these spirits moan in the background and the the witch mm-hmm. that's spinning the ball of twine with that with that rod it's like we don't even know what that's accomplishing but it's just very abstract and 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 kind of spooky uh his atmosphere is is still kind of unparalleled i mean it's Mm. it's hard to Mm. really pin down what about it is so so unnerving and and otherworldly i mean i mean i know that i said the cohen movie seemed like it kind of took place in a purgatory but nowhere near uh to, to the effect of of kurosawa's interpretation and and, and that one is yeah. kind of going for a theatricality whereas kurosawa's i mean due to his his history and and just his mode of filmmaking just feels inherently theatrical in, in a way that's more um I guess authentic. satisfying and authentic to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you feel like you're really watching Mifune give like one of uh, the performances of, of his career. I mean, I love him in Yojimbo and Seven Samurai, but this is like this is a great performance from Mifune. It is. Wes? Yeah, I mean, I saw this movie during. The, this is one of the pandemic watches for me. Um, and I'll be honest, before mm-hmm. I saw it, I'd seen maybe one or two other Kurosawa movies, and I wasn't like. I wasn't impressed. It wasn't like that. It was just that I wasn't connecting with them in any kind of way. Um, mostly because mm-hmm. Kurosawa, in a lot of ways, can feel like broccoli. It can feel like the thing you got to eat if you want to make movies. Yeah. But sure. like the thing that you, you're not necessarily like <laughs> jazzed about eating. Um, all respect Good. to him. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, I was really like knocked out by Throne of Blood and then I saw it yeah. again. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, and I think it's because um, – 
I know Dan said he never made a, a kind of a straightforward horror movie. This feels like a horror movie to me. Like it feels like very modern, very contemporary, very like I don't know. It 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 it, yeah. it, it feels it feels paced and toned like a horror movie. Um, and I think like that ending, like you can't beat the ending where he's running around and the arrows are coming out of him. Um, I don't know. I I think mm. I think it's the best adaption of a Shakespeare play we've ever gotten, and that includes like my beloved mm. 10 things I hate about you <laughs> and mm. Lion King. You know what I mean? I just think, I think there's mm. been no other Shakespeare movie that's been put to screen that captures the feeling of it. Like the feeling of like, <clears throat> Oh, of dread, but yeah. also makes it not feel like homework. There's, you know what I mean? there's a palpable like looming dread for sure. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very palpable. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think it's a big reason. Older movies in general just seem to be a lot spookier and more atmospheric is kind of due to limitation. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of yeah. that, like, bare bones, uh, like, set design and stuff and, and the kind of early, uh, you know, sound design and, like, demon voices and things like that, it really gives this movie an otherworldly feeling. I I want to um, I want to pick up first on, uh, maybe we'll kind of do this in opposite order, talk about the, the production and then work our way down to the performances. Um, I, I think... Yeah, I, I 100% agree. The the atmosphere of this film is 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 deliberately painstakingly created and and it, it very effective. Um, one of the big things about Macbeth is that is that the world is is not right. The moment that Macbeth makes the decision to kill Duncan and does it. He like unleashes evil. Like it's like he opened Pandora's <laughs> yeah, box. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and because and there, especially in the in the text of of Macbeth itself, there's all these comparisons and allusions between Duncan and Christ mm. and God and all of that. He's he's deified. Yes. You know, and it's it's. I think one of the reasons that this adaptation works so well is because what you need is not only like. It can't just be like, what if it was Macbeth, but in summer camp? Like you yeah. have to have, uh, you have to have. Uh, a good marriage of, I think, cultural um, paradigm in order to really make it sing. I think with, mm. with when you when you take this and put it in feudal Japan and you set it in like the world of samurai and bushido, you already have these notions of like duty yeah. and loyalty, right? You know, your 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 uh, your your lord, your samurai lord, is supposed to be the last person you would turn mm-hmm. your blade against. Um, so it's like. Even more deeply, I think, than just when you watch Macbeth and you're like, well, I guess, yeah, he's a knight, so he's, he's a right. thane, whatever so that guy? is. Worthy so he thane. shouldn't kill yeah. the so king. He's a bishop. Yeah, but, no. um, <laughs> but with this, it's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's like a samurai. You probably shouldn't you know, do that. That's not great. Yeah. Because samurai are just so – they're so um, – Based in they're honor. They're so yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. universal. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And we all, we all know what that is. So um, I think because of that – you know, yeah, the howling wind, the rolling fog, the rain and everything. Um, I, I also enjoyed picking up because uh, I was sort of cherry picking both these movies at the same time mm-hmm, before we started mm-hmm. recording just to get certain moments in my in my memory. And there are I enjoyed seeing certain lines that um, Mifune uh, reinterpreted from the text. Uh, like there's a there's a moment, you know, where uh Macbeth, Mifune is riding with um, his Banquo through the forest, mm-hmm. and he says, um, "This weather, I've never seen anything like it." Which is, you know, so foul yeah. for a day I have not seen. Or, or later when they see the witch in the cabin, he says, 
are you human or spirit, mm-hmm. which is obviously very similar to live you or are you all the man right. question. Yeah. There's, there's cool stuff like that where, and you have to like also a- admire the work that it would take for Kurosawa and his writers to adapt, transpose this from like old English, yes. translate this from old English into Japanese, right. you know, yeah. and then also adjust for like, you know, Old, like feudal Japanese, which is different from even how they were speaking yeah. by the fifties. Yeah, I'm sure. So like that's it's a whole like linguistic um, masterpiece. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, didn't think about that. I didn't even think about no. that. Me neither. I, I, I it, it it's interesting. It's like the movie has the play in its bones, or it's been almost like the the play has. This is a weird analogy, so please stick with me. <laughs> it's like he puts the play in one of those like you know in TikTok they have those things that guy mashes up different objects in that that bowl the, the mortar and, like, churn, and maybe not you guys are mortar and pestle yeah. yeah you guys are like you guys are normal we're people not voyeuristic <laughs> weirdos like you sorry <laughs> uh it's like he took the play and like ground it up into dust and like put it into the bones of his adaptation because it's like it's not mm. quite Macbeth. like it's not mm-hmm. word for word the same story but it is like it's been yeah. synthesized into being it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's like definitely. the way Succession is King Lear, but it's not. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Su- Succession is the only other one that I can think of that does it this well, where it takes it, synthesizes it, and makes it into something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. Again, anyway. because it's that it's that you perfect. Do know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. No, it made sense. And and I again, it's that idea of how can we take the concepts that are here and apply them to somewhere else yeah. where those concepts will make right. sense. You know, I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the things about, um, I remember a long time ago, we talked about Selah and the Spades and that's another area where it could have, it could have gone worse than it did. Right. I mean, you're setting like a sort of Shakespearean tale of like what do you call it? Well. Succession yeah. and sort of like, you know, whatever yeah. in a, in a, in a private school. Usurping power. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it could have gone it could have been really cheesy, but it, it, I think it, it strides the line pretty well. Um, yeah, so there's definitely an attention paid to the elemental aspect of things. I also thought it was curious, just as a point of comparison between the two, again, the relationship between um, the Macbeths, in this case, Lord and Lady uh, Washizu. Um, th- what seems immediately different to me is that, like, and this is also kind of a at least from the films that I've seen from Kurosawa, this is one of his things is like the manipulative woman, like uh, lady Macbeth. And this is, is automatically like she's terrible evil in, in she's a way not. that I think she's abstract. She's foreboding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's got this, um, this immediate kind of sensibility around her where she's, it doesn't seem like she's married to, um, to Mifune's character for love. It seems like it was, you know, they might've been arranged. So maybe it wasn't even their choice. Number one, whatever. But number two, if it was their choice, it was like an ambition thing. Uh, he also seems yeah. like afraid of her, which is an interesting read um, in a way that uh, like mm-hmm. Denzel's version of Macbeth isn't really afraid of Lady Macbeth. He's, they, they, you know, they're collaborators and they're, she's just pushing he's cautious about she's the situation. Along. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. In, in this case, she's she's like no. Um, you know, she's everything he thinks he has an answer for. She turns it back on him and keeps stoking mm. his paranoia, That's and right. it creates this very yeah. interesting dynamic yeah. between them. I was curious what you guys thought about her yeah. performance. This actress is Suzu Yamada. I mean, I thought what was re- yeah, I thought just her stillness, um, just like her, just like 
being so still and stoic, just sitting there was mm-hmm. really scary. Um, and I also feel more like I felt more pissed off and upset when like she got her way because it really felt mm. like uh, Macbeth was like, no, we're not going to do this. He's my best friend. Like <laughs> it's all good. And then he's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. like this, this adaptation really gave you the sense of like, Oh, things just could have gone better. Yeah. And lady yeah. Macbeth really fucked it. You know, like, yeah. so I thought that was I, great. I, I know this isn't the point, but I, 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 I would have loved to say all those two ended up together. There is no chemistry there. They hate each other. But, yeah. like, there is <laughs> that no is like, sexual of, anything. That is a kind of chemistry, though. Like I feel like the fact that they do hate each other so Pure, much. unbridled hatred. Yeah, it's a kind of... I mean, on <laughs> yeah. screen, maybe okay. not in a relationship. No, no, no. Well, well, well I, I'm talking about the, the... I know the actors do have chemistry in that way. I'm talking about like an actual real-life oh, yeah, yeah. relationship. Well, yeah. Real-life relationship, you would see those two people and go, you, you why are you guys together? You know, yeah. Like, You've never, Dan. You've never been at a like a dinner party and you see a couple that hate each other. I have met couples that hate each other. Yes, but um, but like when they're good, they're like they're evil together, and when they're bad, it's very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but um, this is the only real interpretation that I can think off the top of my head that where. Lady Macbeth and and Macbeth just like hate each other and resent each other and and they still kind of work in tandem because they 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 need each other's greed and and mm-hmm. selfishness mm-hmm. I guess it's it it is interesting um because with with Denzel and and Francis McDormand I mean for example it, it, it's not that they really seem like they have that much chemistry but they they still like care about each other yeah. right. you know they they want each other to succeed right. and, and to have a legacy. Um, in this interpretation, it, it, none of that is there. It's like there's so much resentment and just and just full on hatred. Exactly. And they, she seems evil. Yeah. She does. She yeah. seems like an actual. She seems quite yeah. evil. When it comes to Zach's point about her stillness, I I also wanted to mention you know that this movie borrows heavily from elements of no theater, um, you know which is like the traditional theatrical performance yes. type in, in in Japan, and the they it's done so deliberately that like even the actors faces look like masks because that's one of the big things in no theater is that all the characters are represented by masks so it's like the hairstyling and the makeup like they look like they're wearing these masks and then the way that they move is obviously so exaggerated there's times where i remember at at the end of the film where asaji has she's completely lost her mind she's trying to wash her hands uh, in an empty bowl um uh uh, Macbeth Mifune. Great interpretation of that, by the way. Yeah, he he runs over to her and he kneels down. No and, water. And he's like, Asaji, like he breathes with his whole chest and then, you know, speaks to her. And it's like, it's like when you're, when you're yeah. playing like Marvel versus Capcom and the characters like all like, every time they take a breath, they're like, <laughs> wow. they're doing like, yeah. Wow. It's, that's what it felt like. Like that very, every movement was yeah. completely, it's, it's, I, I feel like. Lived in. Yeah, both yeah, of these yeah, movies, yeah. but even more so this one. It's it's very choreographed. It's it feels very like mm. um, intentional with yeah. every movement. Yeah. Muscular, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. muscular yeah, is a good definitely. way to put it. Yeah, I also think that the way I mean, rep, before we wrap up, we, we talked about Mufune a lot in uh, the Rashomon conversation, but I think yeah. mm-hmm. uh, this is such a good performance. Like I think like the way his eyes be- so become so manic, yeah. like. In a way that, like, Denzel is, like, almost doing – I love Denzel's performance. But I think at the end, he's reaching at something that Mufune is doing, which Mm -hmm. is, like, the manic eyes, 
the, you know what I mean? It, it comes from that theater background, like Justin was talking about, that kind of no theater background where you just had to have that energy bursting with just rage yeah. and, and... Yeah. yeah, yeah. well, especially because in no theater, they can't see the face. He really sells right? that. So it's like, you, when, yeah. you, because yeah. your face is covered in no it's theater... It's all body it's language. All, exactly, it's all body language. And then now you have the 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 benefit of being able to do no theater with your face as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. all of that. And the, the way he uses, yeah, yeah. The, the way that performance is, is he's intimidating uh, Lady Macbeth. Sorry, I forgot the name. He's, he's kind of looming over her and, and um, he, he, he just, he, he's, his body language is, is on point for, for, I, I could imagine seeing this from the back of it in auditorium and, and being kind of taken away by what Mfune is doing. You guys want to, you guys want to rate it? This is an immortal. I agree. It's an immortal. It's an immortal. I agree. I, I, I should <laughs> give it an immortal. I, it's just, it's just because I watched it late at night, guys, and I was tired. Just, <laughs> Zachary. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think about it. Let, me, let, it, let me take it by surprise. It'll be. Surprises <laughs> say it's bad. You can just let say me, it's bad. No, no, no. I loved it. I did love it. I was asleep through some of it. I'm going to give it a reanimate. Okay. Look, hold on. Cool. Let me fine. explain That's myself. Fine. Let me explain myself. Let me explain myself. Guys, I just That's still was a positive rating. Watched... It is. It's a very positive rating. Guys, I was tired. You don't need to justify tired. anything. Sometimes I... those horses were going back and forth so often that Sometimes I those ho- that horseback riding is a little boring. Sure. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will go ahead. I'm glad we agree about Kurosawa being boring. How many dirt roads can we look at? Um, <laughs> I will. I'll bring us to a close then by giving it an immortal. Um, I think <laughs> that, I think I'm the one idiot. No, it's fine. You're good. I, I, we all agree that this movie is great, and it, and it not only is a good adaptation of Macbeth, but it stands on its own as a brilliant tale of yeah. um, of of, of the corruption of man. Yeah, that's really what it's about. Told huh? by an idiot. Yep. Yes. So, Sound and fury uh, signifying nothing. Not you calling Akira Kurosawa an idiot. <laughs> I, got, I was calling I got, Wes an idiot. But. I got. I got to jump off, guys. Yeah. No worries. I'll, Simplicity I'll wins up. out. Um, Simplicity wins. I'll just say uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back whenever we're back. You'll be here when we get back. Um, we love you very much. Yeah. Check out the show and uh, buy our merch if you can. Follow us across socials at. The Media Morgue on Instagram, Twitter, and other places. Uh, we love you. Don't don't go into any dark alleys. See ya, you fucking phonies. Hey, bye.